Hello and welcome to another episode of the Key Ingredient Podcast. My name is Stefan Contorno and today I am joined by David Hoffman. If you don't know the name David Hoffman, well, you should. David Hoffman is a true example of an American success story. David has built a real estate and business empire. He and his family own more than 170 businesses throughout the world. They also employ over 6,000 people. In this episode, you will hear me get in-depth with David about his journey and what led to his success. I truly believe you will enjoy today's episode, and thank you for listening. David Hoffman, I want to uh, thank you for joining us today on the Key Ingredient Podcast. I'm really excited to uh, to have you join us because out here, obviously, in Southwest Florida, you've made uh, quite a presence and uh, you've done some really wonderful things. And I think as much as people know a little bit about you, there are a lot of us here in the community that maybe don't know that much about you. And what I wanted to do really was kind of ask you some questions to learn a little bit about your journey as an entrepreneur, so that we can kind of get a little bit more acquainted with you. So again, I want to thank you for joining me here today. Yeah, you bet. Happy to be here. Thank you. So let's let's kind of start at the beginning, if you don't mind, uh, David. Maybe if you could just kind of tell our listeners just a little bit about yourself. Sure. Yeah, well, I grew up in Missouri in a little small farm town. Grew up a poor kid without hot running water. Married my high school sweetheart. We started dating when we were 15 and Ended up getting married, been married 49 years, have three married children and 11 grandchildren, and moved to Southwest Florida about five years ago to Naples. Wow, very, very interesting. And I was going to say, with all the accomplishments that I know you've achieved, I'm sure the greatest is what you just described, which is which is your family, and uh, absolutely terrific. So take me back, if you don't mind, David, because uh, you just brought up something I think that's really interesting. So you grew up a certain way as a kid. You went to college, and, and from what I understand, I believe you actually played football, correct? Yes, yeah. What, I, think what that's, uh, I think had I not played college football, I probably wouldn't have gone to college. You know, I wasn't really thinking about it, but I got a scholarship to play football in Missouri, near where I grew up, and that's kind of what happened. Wow. That's, you know, what position did you play? Quarterback. Okay, excellent. Wow. Very, uh, very interesting. So, okay, so you, you went to college. When you graduated college, and I know at some point you started uh, DHR, which is which is your executive search firm. How did you get to that point? So here you are, you graduated college, and what was the next step for you as far as a career? Well, I went to work for three different Fortune 500 companies, and then when I was about 30 years old, I was uh, vying to become the president of one of the Fortune 500 companies at a relatively young age, and they chose someone else. And I think that was the right decision for them, to be honest, and me. And the board and I kind of met, and I kind of said, you know, I don't want to wait around another 20 or 30 years to become CEO of the company. I think I'm going to go try and do something on my own. And that's when I uh, went into the executive search business with the largest firm in the world. And then I became a partner there very at a very young age, 31. And then I decided that I thought I could do this on my own. And I created a company called DHR International, which has grown into the world's largest independent executive search firm with 65 offices around the world and about a thousand people. So, yeah. Wow. That, that's amazing. Okay. So you started, you started this, this firm and, uh, and it obviously grew exponentially into, like you said, the largest firm in the world. So what happened next? I mean, I think this is going to kind of 
lead us into kind of the Osprey uh, capital story. But what was the next step? So here you are building this big business. Your know, life is good. You you went from, uh, as you said, were difficult means as a child. And here you are, you know, doing well. What was the next step at that point, David? Well, my children, my two sons grew up and one of them came in about 12 years ago, 13 years ago, Jeff, my oldest son, and took over as being CEO of DHR International, the executive search firm that I'd started. That enabled me to go start Osprey Capital and Hoffman Family Companies. And so I started out buying a lot of real estate. And then my youngest son, became old enough to take over that business about eight years ago. And so my oldest son runs our executive search business. My youngest son runs our real estate business. And then I started doing private equity transactions and buying companies. So that's our history. I have some very smart sons, thankfully. Uh, Well, they have a smart dad. So they they learn from the best, it sounds like. So I want our listeners to really conceptually understand this. So when, tell me if I'm wrong here, David, but when you, uh, when you started DHR International, it started doing well. Am I correct in saying that your strategy was really using more of like kind of the excess cash that was being produced by the firm and that was helping drive Osprey Capital? Is that correct? Yeah, that's accurate. And, you know, the company did well. When I opened the company in 1989, two months later, Business Week magazine put me on the cover of their magazine and thought that we were going to kind of create a new mousetrap, if you will, in the executive search space. And when that happened, our business just exploded. You know, the power of the media, you would know about that. Oh, absolutely. And, I do, yeah. and so that really enabled the company to have exponentially growth around the world pretty quickly. And And my son, my oldest son, who'd worked there right out of college, he was really the one that drove the strategic actions for us to go outside the United States. So he opened up in all these countries around the world, 27 different countries we operate in now. And he did that while I was running the global company and mostly the domestic company. So it was kind of a father-son one-two punch, if you will. Yeah, yeah, I love that. So the transition into real estate. So I'm assuming, and tell me if I'm wrong, but I'm assuming there wasn't a lot of background in maybe real estate investing early on in your life. What made you, I guess, see the value in real estate? What was the strategy behind that? Well, the strategy, I think, was I always was interested in real estate. At 25 years old, I had bought the public golf course in my little hometown of Washington, Missouri, which was at the time about 5,000 people. And I understood the power of leverage in real estate, and I always went by the philosophy, location, 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 and and scarcity of the asset. So I always had an interest in it, even having a kid growing up, and, and I'd read a lot about real estate, and I noticed that almost all wealthy people in the world had significant holdings in real estate. I used to study the Forbes 400 list whenever it would come out, and I said, gosh, every one of these people in this list has a lot of real estate. So I thought it would be, I liked it. I thought it was a great wealth building opportunity. And, and I started uh, accumulating real estate. Wow. That's amazing. I mean, anybody who invests in real estate successfully knows, I mean, it's, it's, it's certainly not an easy thing to do. And it sounds like you were a little bit self-taught the way you did it. Obviously you did it the right way, but, uh, but it's interesting. And I was curious to see how that transition from really executive search firm to real estate went, because it seems like a lot of what you're doing now is more around real estate. Is that correct? Well, I think, you know, we've grown into a multi-billion dollar company, so we certainly have a lot of real estate. We have 125 different properties 
around the United States, but we also own 52 different operating businesses and we employ over 6,000 people worldwide. So I think we're a very diverse family business that's headquartered in Naples, Florida. We employ more than 2,000 people in the surrounding Naples area. And a lot of those are in businesses that we bought. Yeah, no, and I definitely, in a few moments, I want to get a little more specifically to Naples because I, you know, that's obviously where we are. And that is an absolutely amazing story. But, you know, when you mentioned real estate, and obviously I hear commercial real estate, I mean, you, if, if I understand, um, you know, some of the buildings you own, I mean, some of the tenants you have are some some pretty big names, the Wells Fargo, Starbucks, Joseph A. Banks, Burger King. I mean, I could go on and on. So I guess the logical question, David, for you is here we are in a very, very different environment. We're still in a pandemic. The world has certainly changed. And I later on want to get your perspective on that. But the world has changed. And a lot of people have certain speculations when it comes to commercial real estate. What are your thoughts on that? Do you have concerns? Do you think the game has changed a little bit? Is there anything different with your strategy? Yeah, I, I think the game has changed for certain aspects of commercial real estate. But I think we went by a philosophy of owning real estate on Maine and Maine. And again, if you think about Naples, where a lot of our holdings are on Fifth Avenue South, which is a world famous street, the Third Street District, we own the only arena in town. So it's pretty unique real estate. And it's really not affected by the ups and downs of the world or what's happening in the economy too much. During the pandemic last year, we had our best cash flowing year in the history of the company, and we're some 33 years old. So we really didn't get affected much. That's amazing. Yeah. You know, I'll tell you, the first time I really learned about you and your family and your business was on Fifth Avenue. I mean, just starting to, to, like you said, I mean, it's an area that is always going to grow. People want to visit. It's prime, prime location. And yeah, I started noticing your names on the property and, and that's how I found out about you. So you've grown more. So like you said now, so down here in Southwest Florida, you said you have, I guess, about a little over 2000 employees. I think there are about 33 properties and even 33 businesses that are operated in the state. Is that about right? Yeah. Yeah. We operate in Palm Beach. We operate in Tampa. We operate in Naples. Yeah, we're we have a big presence in Florida. now. You even own tacos and tequila, I believe, correct? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which I didn't know that I actually enjoyed the restaurant, so I thought, thought that was pretty interesting. Like you said, very diverse. Um, aviation is also an area that you're, you're investing in. Yeah, we own a company called Global Jet Care, which is an international air transportation company. It was ranked last year the number one air transportation company in the United States, based out in Tampa. And now we've gotten into Oregon transportation on the East Coast as a spinoff from that company as well. Okay. I believe you said uh, you and your wife, Jerry, started coming down to Naples. Was it about five years ago? Yeah, five years ago. So yeah, we, we, knew no, we, did, we, we didn't own a business. We didn't have a building. And, you know, five years later, it's, it's, it's just such a great place to be and, a, and an easy place to do business. And it's such an entrepreneurial state and such a growth-oriented state that we couldn't plan on having a better place to invest in than, than Naples. And we're really happy we did it. Yeah, you certainly did pick a, a great place. Obviously, the growth down here is astounding compared to other parts of, of the United States. And I thought as I ask you, so five years ago, you come down here for, I'm assuming, a quality of life. And, uh, and I guess, you know, you look around and you figured there's a lot of opportunity from an investment point of view, is that correct? Yeah, that's that's exactly what happened. It's that simple. I mean, we looked around and said, wow, this is kind of, a, in many respects, 
it was a little bit undiscovered, I think, five, six years ago, especially Fifth Avenue South and Third Street. It wasn't as well known as I think it is today. I mean, it was always been well known, but today almost everyone knows Fifth Avenue South and Third Street District. So they certainly do. So what are what are the goals that you have for these properties? I mean, are you looking to continue to find business opportunities and expand your your real estate, your brand down here? Are you looking to do certain things with the properties you own uh, right now? Anything anything on the horizon? Yeah, we always have things on the horizon. We buy a business or a building every month. And right now we're closing on a very significant golf club, October 1st. It's one of the best known golf clubs in Southwest Florida. and One of the most highly regarded in Southwest Florida. That'll be announced October 1st. I'm not at liberty to say who it is today, but you'll know, the, you'll know the club. We're looking at buying a business that's generating $50 million in the Naples area that we expect to close on by the end of the year that employs, I think, 350 people. So those are the two biggest transactions we have in front of us in Naples. But we have, in total in Florida, 10 transactions with either businesses or real estate that we expect to close by December 31st. Some of them in related industries that we have. We own Naples Transportation and Tours and Palm Beach Transportation Tours, and we're under contract to buy three additional transportation tours companies in other parts of Florida and a couple bolt-on acquisitions for transportation companies in the in the Naples area. And we own the Naples Princess, and we're expanding our boat operations there and in, and in other parts of the country as well. So, you know, we're a very acquisitive company. You know, we have a, a formula that we use, and right now we're in the sweet spot of of that mathematical formula. And so we're being very aggressive in buying businesses and buildings right now. Well, diversification is obviously important. You're certainly taking that to a, a whole other level. Hospitality sector is kind of something I'm hearing you say a little bit more about now. Locally here again as well. I mean, so you bought Hertz Arena. I believe you also own the Florida uh, Everblades hockey team as well. Are there Anything strategic that you were looking for there? I mean, do you see more opportunity as far as uh, bringing people in maybe from other states, other parts of the country to, to go there and enjoy the venue. What were your thoughts around that? Yeah, I think what we liked about it was it, it was the only game in town. So it's the only professional sports team between there and Miami or Tampa going the other way. So we draw quite well. The arena, we reinvested in the arena and upgraded it to today's standards. And the, and the community has really responded well. Our attendance is great. Our fans are great. We have been able to attract talent to come into the arena. We're having Chris Stapleton soon, Jason Aldean soon, and that list is goes on and on and just keeps getting better. And so I think that does draw people in and people are, we're getting calls from all over the country with some of these big artists that they want to come down and see them in Florida while they're there, especially in the winter months. So we've capitalized on that a great deal. And our hockey team does very well. It's very well run. We've gone to the playoffs 21 out of 22 years. So it's a it's a great team with a great coach and a great CEO. And and I just, you know, I just get to go and enjoy the games and watch these guys perform. So it's a great situation for us to be in because we're not competing with anybody. We're not competing with another ticket in town for anything. No, you're exactly right. Like you said, it's just it's it's just the arena and that's it. That's all you have there in this area. So uh so it makes sense. You know, David, I think you've um 
and, and I think you've kept a little bit more of a, a fairly low profile here while you've been growing your business. And that's why I wanted to have you on here today. Not everybody knows a lot about you, but not only are you growing a, a robust business, but you're also helping the community. And, and I say that there are probably ways you're helping that I don't even know, but certainly from a, from a, a jobs point of view, I mean, we're in an environment right now where I think last I looked, we have, uh, I think it's about 10.9 million job openings in the country, most we've ever had in the history of the United States. It's a tricky time to hire. What does it look like? I mean, what have you, you, as far as creating jobs, what has that kind of been like for your organization? Well, I, you know, we, that's the, that's very important to us. And that's really, you know, I was in a related business that I started the executive search business, which is a people business. So we've always had a strong belief that you can have the best mousetrap in the world, but if you don't have the best people in the world to sell that mousetrap, there's not gonna, you're not going to be successful. So we have a philosophy that we want to pay on the higher end of the pay scale in every business that we're in. We want to be the employer of choice, whatever industry we're in, for a whole bunch of reasons. And we insist that all our employees are treated with respect and dignity, no matter what level they are. And to me, they... The person answering the phone to the person sweeping the floor is every bit as important as the founder and CEO in myself. And I like to think we have an environment where we treat people that way. And we have very little turnover as a company, which I'm proud of. And we have a lot of people come to work at our company and have 33 years ago when we started that have never worked anywhere else. Our chief financial officer came here out of college. He's still here. He replaced a lady that had been with us for 32 years. So People are really, really important. I think Southwest Florida has great workforce, and we've been fortunate enough to have them be a part of our company, and we want to continue to, to foster that relationship with our employees and, and to make sure we create an environment that everybody wants to be at, and it's not a job for them, but it's, it's fun, and it's, and it's an exciting place to be, and growth is always fun. You can do things when you're growing, you can pay more, you can give bigger raises, you can, you can just create an environment that's really exciting in a growth environment. That's interesting. So you're bringing good paying jobs down here and you're, you're obviously an expert in hiring because you're doing it the right way. You're not hiring somebody for a job, you're hiring them for a career, you're hiring them to be part of a, a family type of business and you're paying accordingly and recognizing your talent. I think that's, that's terrific. Yeah. If I could add one more thing on that, that that I think I would like to get across to your listeners is one of the things that we've brought to Naples is in buying these small companies, they've become headquarters in their own right for branches out in the United States. Let's take our Naples princess. I think everybody, a lot of your listeners will know what the Naples princess that cruises the Gulf. We now, when we, we bought that three years ago, we now operate the in 10 different states with 10 different boats. That company, which was headquartered before with one boat in Naples, now operates in 10 states. We can say the same thing for our transportation business. We bought a transportation business in Naples. They now operate in five different states. We have 12 of our businesses. We're developing the wine country of Missouri, which has been a very highly publicized thing we're doing here, where my wife and I grew up, the wine country in Missouri, which, and 12 of our executives from Naples are running that project. So they, they commute, even though they're running businesses from Naples where they're headquartered, they commute back and forth to Missouri to drive, drive our project down here, which is a very large project. So 
we're creating a lot of corporate headquarters, if you will, in Naples, Florida, for businesses that didn't exist before. I'm glad you. I'm glad you added that. I appreciate that. Yeah, you're taking kind of local local business concepts and local business ideas and making it more national. And, yeah, exactly. Uh, and again, that that that's a testament to how. I mean, clearly, you tell me. Uh, it sounds like you think big, and uh, I, I think a lot of people, especially entrepreneurs, sometimes don't think big enough. Yeah, yeah, we do. We never buy a company without thinking the next day how we're going to expand it. Sure, sure. Shift real quickly here. Um, you, you mentioned wine. I mean, uh, I know you own some wineries as well. I guess first question is, are you a lover of wine? And, and second of all, what's that been like as far as investing in wineries? Yeah, I'm a wino now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's it's been great, and we're bringing that wine. We just got our liquor licenses all lined up. We've been at it about six months, and we're beginning the process of shipping our great Missouri wines down to a number of venues in southwest Florida. And I think we're shipping our first 60,000 bottles next week down to Naples and other parts of Florida. So we're the largest vineyard and winery company in the Midwest. And again, I had my wife and I grew up very nearby there. And so we're kind of doing that project together. It's a lot of fun. But again, it's very much tied to the Naples executive team that are driving certain aspects of it. Chris Armstrong, who heads up marketing for us, is driving all the marketing aspects of that. Our transportation people put in the transportation systems. Our boat people, the Naples Princess people, put a boat in the Missouri River. It's very similar to the Naples Princess. And it goes on and on and on and on. Our event planning people are driving the event plans for the vineyards and the venues. So, again, it's tied right back to Naples. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you, I know Chris Armstrong personally. He's obviously terrific. I know he was just awarded the uh, 40 under 40 designation down here. So, so you are, like you said, you're bringing in really, really great people. I know you're busy, so I don't want to take too much more of your time. But just overall now, and it's probably difficult for you to answer because your business is just so large at this point. But roughly how big now is the Hoffman family of companies? I mean, how many companies do you? Yeah, we have. have yeah. Yeah, we have uh, 52 different operating companies, 125 real estate properties in the United States, a total of 241 locations around the world, and a little over 6,000 employees, and we're a multi-billion dollar asset-based company. Wow. wow. So what do, you, what do you love most about what you do? I mean, you've had, obviously, your career, your journey has been outstanding. I mean, what's, what's kind of the thing that you love about what you do? You know, I love working with my family. My wife and I work right next to each other. It's fun. My sons are obviously in the business, which makes it fun. And, and really, it's, and I know this sounds corny, but it's working with our people. I really like the people in our company. And I think, I think we have a culture of family, which Chris invented the name. We should call this the Hoffman family of companies as we really started having this great growth. And I think that's the perfect description for us. We are a family. And that's really fun. I feel like I have 6,000 people in my family right now. <laughs> and and it's, it's just a great environment that a lot of people helped create. So I, that's the most fun for me. I really enjoy our people. They're creative, they're smart, and they're, they're energetic, and they're making it happen. Yeah, it's, it's great you recognize that. I mean, they always say people first, right? I mean, having... The right people, family environment, I mean, all, all great lessons there. I'll tell you, David, you know, the term entrepreneur we hear a lot these days. I think it's 
used uh, so widely. I don't think uh, not everybody even understands you know, necessarily or narrowing down what the term entrepreneur means. But I think you and I can both uh, attest to the fact that it's not easy and it's probably not for everybody to be an entrepreneur. What in your mind is kind of the toughest part of being a business owner and being an entrepreneur? Well, I th- you know, I think there's a lot of challenges. I think starting out as an entrepreneur is very, very, very difficult because you got to worry about a lot of things. As you get big, it becomes easier. But the challenge is getting big. It was very, very challenging getting to be a $100 million company. It was very challenging getting to be a $500 million company. And then we had hurdles to get to a billion. It's been easier since then. Growth creates growth. But boy, there's just a lot of things to, to think about. Employees, turnover, finances. I had a philosophy as simple as it sounds. I said, look, just don't run out of money. You'll be fine. It's <laughs> so, <laughs> That's pretty simple, right? <laughs> yeah. And so as a business, even though we add assets every year, we're very, very disciplined that at the end of each year, we have to have more cash in the bank, no matter how much we spend than what we started with. So. I think our lenders have understood that and have stood by us and under, and have worked well with us because they know that's our philosophy. And we've done it now for 20-some years in a row. We've grown our asset base every year, and simultaneously, we've grown our liquidity right along with it. And as an entrepreneur, I would ask your, your listeners to think about that. That's easy to say, but it's hard to do. But, you know, cash and liquidity to an entrepreneur really is is key. And you, you constantly have to be thoughtful of that because entrepreneurs don't have the luxury of public companies and going out and, and going to the public markets and the capital markets for cash. You know, it's generally theirs or the banks. And a lot of times they're guaranteeing it. I did when I first started out and that can be a very harrowing experience. And, uh, and, but as you get bigger, you know, we, we just haven't changed that philosophy is we have to keep a lot of liquidity around and, and we do. Yeah, this is this is an environment, obviously, I mean, where interest rates being so low, liquidity is certainly something that people can use. And for, for the average person that we, we refer to that more as debt, right? But for successful yeah. people, for successful people, it's leverage, right? Being able to utilize yeah. the environment that we're in right now. So it is really an interesting period of time. Yeah, we like to refer to that as controlled leverage. We, yeah. have, we certainly deploy leverage but we certainly have liquidity to back that up if, if something goes wrong. Yeah, no, that's that's terrific. Um, as we conclude here, David, you know, one, one of the, the reason this podcast is called The Key Ingredients was that I wanted to use this as an opportunity to speak with successful people and find out, while there's not one thing that defines success, there are sometimes moments or pivotal points in our careers where we believe we kind of go from one point and things get elevated. Was there one point in your career that you would say really felt like it was that pivotal moment where you really felt like I'm doing well, but now I really feel like I've gone to another level. I think it's when the success we had in Naples over the last five years, to be honest, we have a pretty major investment down there. And some of the things we did initially, I mean, we, I think people thought we were crazy when we spent $75 million on a small group of buildings on fifth Avenue South you know, even the newspapers were like, wow, we must have a, a, a guy that, you know, that's looking at this differently. And, and we did. And I think that some of the local people in real estate thought we were paying too much. 
and that it historically been there. I will tell you that same $75 million group of property now is worth $125 million. So, <laughs> not a bad And I think that's when we realized that, you know, we really had something in Florida. We had that moment in the search business, I think, when we expanded internationally and we, we had an international footprint. And I had that aha moment when I went to uh, Hong Kong with my son and we got off the plane and we walked in a, in, a, in a building next to Goldman Sachs in Hong Kong and our name was on the door. We thought, wow, we just been on a plane for 17 hours and people recognize who we are on the other side of the world. That was a very humbling and aha moment for us as a family. Yeah, that, that's that's terrific. I have a final question for you, David. What, what kind of uh, advice, I guess, would you give to anyone listening right now who may be, uh, may be starting out their own businesses or maybe someone who's already at a point where they've done quite well, but they're thinking about going to the next level? Are there any kind of, I don't want to say quotes, but are there any kind of thoughts or mantras that you have that you've utilized that you think can, can help them? Yeah, I, again, I go back to liquidity. Make sure you, you have plenty of liquidity. And I think you need, a, you need an end game in mind. My end game was I don't want to sell anything. I'm going to build a family business. I'm going to keep accumulating assets. I'm going to work till the day I die. I have zero interest in retiring. I'm not a very good golfer. And so, but I, I thought that through. And uh, I think too often people get into it and they think it's going to be easier than what it is. It's harder. I'd say starting a business, if you, it's five times harder than you think it is from so many different levels. And, you know, I think especially in venture capital entrepreneurs, you think you have a better mousetrap and one day you do, but the next day somebody else created a better one. So, you know, and, and today, the thing that concerns us is how rapidly technology changes things and how you can be displaced through no fault of your own, just through technological advances. We, we have a business like that. We own a large motor oil distribution business that's, you know, fossil fuel driven business and, you know, electric vehicles. We serve all the Ford dealerships on the Western half of the United States. And that business is at flat to decreasing in value every year because electric vehicles. We didn't anticipate that when we bought that company a dozen years ago. You know, nobody was really talking about electric vehicles. So those are some of the some of the roadblocks you're going to run into with technology really does change things quickly in this game. That's a great point and, uh, and a good one to end with here because uh, you're right. So I guess the point is always evolve and trying to keep up with technology is certainly not an easy thing to do, but you have your entire family helping you with that as well. So that's uh, that's a big plus. Listen, David, I want to thank you so much for joining us. This was a great way, I think, for the community and all our listeners to get to know you better, all the wonderful things that you're doing. And uh, all I can say is, you know, I wish you continued success and we appreciate everything that you're doing there. Well, thank you. And hey, I look forward to meeting you personally. And we want to be a very philanthropic part of the community. We like to think we have been. And we want to continue to do that for the great folks of Southwest Florida. Yeah, love that, David. Thank you again. We appreciate everything. Thank you, bud.